take a step back and realize, man, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Welcome to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. And on today's show, we have a special treat. We have joining us Henry Ramirez. He plays for the Kansas City Comets professional indoor soccer team. And we talk about his journey. How did he get to where he is today? And there are a lot of cool life lessons in this one. Don't give up, men. Let's listen. So today I have here with me Henry Ramirez. He is a professional soccer player for the Kansas City Comets. And Henry, before we get into our discussion, I want to kind of tell how we met, if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for having me, Miles. It's, a, it's always an honor and a pleasure to speak with you, especially given this um, kind of platform and circumstance. Yeah. So the way me and Henry met was I was in church. And then there was this couple sitting behind me. And after a few weeks, I was like, I'm going to go say hello because I don't see anybody else talking to him. So I stood up and I went over and I shook Henry's hand and he had a strong grip. And <laughs> then I shook his wife's hand. And then that night I went over to their house and I made him cookies, dropped them off. And that's how we got to know each other ever since then. Right. Yeah, and I, I would say those those cookies were absolutely delicious. That's right. That, that was my that was my secret recipe that I used to get people to like me. <laughs> and it, it worked. It absolutely worked. I mean, my wife uh, loved them, and I loved them. Good, good. They probably didn't help you with your training, though. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Well, you know, a cheat day, cheat meal. Every once in a while, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, cheat days are okay. Why don't you kind of tell us? what it is that you do real quick, and then tell us your journey of how you got there. That's what we all want to hear about whenever we're talking to somebody who's doing a job like what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's professional indoor soccer here in Kansas City. Um, the league is called the Major Arena Soccer League. So it's M-A-S-L. And I think the league's been been around for for quite a couple of years. I know it's changed over time. I, I think it used to be like major indoor soccer league, MISL, and then transitioned over to MASL. But the Kansas City Comets has been around for quite some time now. I think we currently right now, we have like fans who have been fans since like the 70s. And it's amazing to have them still come out to the game. But it's indoor soccer. So, you know, compared to outdoor soccer, it's not 11 v 11. It's 6 v 6. So then, you know, we have a goalkeeper, two defenders, usually two midfielders, and then one target forward. And it's kind of crazy because I never really pictured myself growing up as a kid playing professional soccer, indoor soccer. And so, you know, now kind of looking back at it and reflecting on it, it's just so happy and, and really grateful that I was given the opportunity and, and given the opportunity to come here in Kansas City. You know, you were saying the fans there. When I took my boy to a couple of your games, I remember looking and being like, holy cow, these fans are die hard. And they were doing chants. It was just like it was just like a European football game. And 
there you had their chance. They were all decked out in their jerseys and stuff like that. And it was fun. It was a fun game to go to. And I remember leaving and just being like, man, that was, that was such a cool experience. And not only is it cool with the energy and everything, but you guys are scoring a lot during the game and it is a go, go, go. It's, you know, soccer, European soccer, especially is kind of slow and, then you have people that flop and everything, but you guys are just at it and it is awesome. It's very, very manly, I would say. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I think that's like one of the, the best things about indoor soccer, so many goals and it's just like a quick high pace game. And so I always tell people, if you've never been in a soccer game, come to an indoor game first. And even just hearing fans that have like, oh, this, you know, first game experience kind of thing, just similar situation like yours, just, they always like after the game, like, man, that was such an exciting game. Like that was so fun. And they're immediately hooked. And so that's always so comforting to hear because, you know, we're out there practicing every day, working hard. And then, you know, at the end of the day um, to go out there and on game day and show and, and kind of execute, it's, it's really satisfying and knowing that fans were engaged, kids were engaged and people coming back to games and, and just having the number of fans come out every, every week, just increase and increase. It's, it's amazing. It is. The energy level is very high and I enjoy it immensely whenever I go. So Henry, why don't you touch on how you got started with soccer? When did, when did that begin? And just kind of tell us how you progressed from there to where you are today. Hang in there because this is going to be a long story. (laughs) Uh, So I started playing probably at the age of, you know, maybe three, as soon as I was able to walk. I started playing in elementary school in recess and lunch with some friends. And I remember just constantly telling my dad, like, hey, I want to be on a soccer team. Put me on a soccer team, please. Put me on a team. Put me on a team. And he didn't put me on a team until I was probably around like 10 years old or, or maybe nine. And I know now a lot of you know people are like, wow, that's that's a late age to get on a soccer team. But I was just playing, you know, and, and I grew up in an apartment. And so within our apartment complex you know with kids in that neighborhood we would just play we would pick up a ball and just kind of play a lot of broken windows but from that you know kind of transition so played school then once I was playing in school and playing in like local rec teams somebody reached out to my dad was kind of like hey he should play club soccer and so we tried that for a while and I remember commuting about 30 minutes away to this club team and started playing there and it was it was going well and then Played club soccer for the same club up until I was, I would say, 16 years old. And then from there, I switched over to another club team. And it was, it's called an academy team. So with academy soccer, I think now it's it's no longer, it's no longer a thing. And it's, I think now ECNL for youth soccer, for all those youth soccer fans out there. Uh, but the academy soccer back then, so you would play year, year round. You wouldn't play high school. And it was only from, you know, freshman year to senior year that you can play academy soccer. And we would play, you know, LA Galaxy Academy, Chivas USA Academy, Ralph Salt Lake Academy, Vancouver, Whitecap Academy. Um, All these MLS Academy teams were in the league with other local club teams um, within the region. And so I did did that, played with with the Irvine Strikers Academy, did, I would say, pretty well. And I remember we were at some showcase in Florida and, you know, after the game, my coach 
talked to me, sent me an email. He's like, hey, these are all the uh, college coaches that were interested in you. And there was just an immense list of all these coaches. And, you know, just looking at it, I was kind of like, like, wow, all these majority of the schools were out of town, halfway across the country or just different places. But there was this small junior college in Arizona, Arizona Western College that was on that list. And so I was like, hmm, Arizona Western College. Let me look into that a little bit. And so looked into it. It was a junior college. They offered scholarship. They offered housing. And just kind of speaking to my club coach at the time, he was probably like, yeah, that'd be a good, smart route. Wasn't too far from home. You know, parents were able to visit with a four-hour drive or I can go back with a four-hour drive. And so I went there. I I kind of took a leap and and went there. And I know a lot of my teammates were, why aren't you going D1? Why aren't you going here? Why aren't you going to university? And so I kind of opted to go a different route. And I think that was one of the best decisions I've ever made just from like, a maturity level, growing, figuring myself out, soccer-wise, like confidence and kind of showing myself that I was capable of playing at this level. And so I went there. My first year did really well, was all-conference, first team, all-conference, team MVP. Went back home for the summer and played for a summer ball team in Orange County. It was called an Orange County um, Soccer Club U23 team. Played for them in the summer headed back into my sophomore year. Same thing, kind of was named team captain, excelled, was an All-American, did really well. Didn't score as much goals my sophomore year, but I was more of a facilitator and and took on a new role as kind of being a leader out there and getting the guys focused, getting the guys going, giving a lot of assists, working hard off the ball. And I think that really helped me because Back then, when I was younger, I was just thinking like, hey, I would get the ball, try to dribble as much as I can and score goals. And I thought that was all about soccer. You know, that's players that stand out. But going to the junior college, it kind of showed me that, you know, there's different levels, different kind of uh, perspectives to the games and and you got to manage them. And and it's not just always go, 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 but it's more like flowing of the game and just kind of reading the game and who your opponent is. And because of that, like I said, you know, I was – able to get some confidence because now when I was looking at colleges and colleges were reaching out to me after my sophomore year, it was just a big list of schools. A bunch of D1 schools were reaching out. A bunch of D2 schools were reaching out. With that, I just kind of had my my pickings, I would say. And a funny story is, is I actually had committed to a university in Georgia, Georgia State University. Actually, I went there after my sophomore year. I was there for about a week. And I was not happy. I didn't like it. And I just, I remember calling my mom and I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. Like, I want to go home. Like I'm, I'm leaving, I'm moving back home. And so I, yeah, took all my stuff, told the head coach, unenrolled in all my classes. And that was luckily before school started. So, so I remember moving back home and that year that I moved back home was also kind of a a good turning point in my life because I remember just moving back home and, and, Maybe I disappointed some people as far as like, hey, are you still going to play soccer? Hey, what's going on with you? Maybe my parents were questioning me a little bit as far as what I was going to do with my life. And so I remember just sticking to myself and praying a lot. I I, I remember praying a lot, just always saying like, hey, please help me find um, Heavenly Father, help me find just another opportunity, something that's going to work best for me in my future. And that year, I just went to a local junior college, worked full time trained as much as I could. And luckily, 
I was just emailing a bunch of schools now. It wasn't schools emailing me. It was, you know, me emailing all these schools. And so then I remember this, you know, University of Missouri, Kansas City, UMKC, and the coach responded to my email and was like, hey, I actually coached your club coach at Irvine Strikers Academy. He was one of the first coaches to respond. And, and I remember reaching out to my old coach and I was like, hey, my co old coach at UMKC was uh, Rick Benben. And I was like, hey, Benben reached out to me. He says he knows you. And and yep, they kind of linked up and, and talked to me. And he didn't really see me play. It was just all through, like I had made a highlight video of my two years at Arizona Western College. And I sent it to him. And But I think just from speaking to my club coach, he he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll take you on board. You know, we'll offer you a scholarship and, and go from there. And so I remember just being super excited, telling my parents, telling my friends, uh, and knowing that like, wow, okay. Like took this year off to really kind of work on myself, save some money and figure things out. And it, it might've been a setback, but ultimately kind of panned out at the end. Cause I went to UMKC for two years, my junior year, I thought I did well, um, the team overall didn't finish as, as strongly as we would like, but we we're playing D1 soccer, traveling, was exposed to the Midwest weather, Kansas City, and I had never been in any cold weather. So I remember my first winter. It was brutal. I was not leaving my apartment, walking to class. I probably slipped about 10 times. And So everybody listening who doesn't live in Kansas City, I'll, let me explain real quick. It is a bitter cold in Kansas City. It's not like a cold you have anywhere else. You know, I grew up in Utah, the cold there, it gets cold. But I will tell you in Kansas City, it is bone, bone deep cold. I don't know how to explain it other, maybe the Missouri River, the humidity, this location. I don't know exactly, but just people keep that in mind. What Henry's going through, having grown up in California and then going to Arizona and then coming here. Sorry, yeah. I have to jump in and explain and I'm glad you you are because yeah, like like I said, I grew up 10, 15 minutes away from the beach. So I remember even telling my buddies, like, man, it is brutal out here. It is so cold. They're like, it's not that cold, you know, they because growing up in California, I, you know, I associate being cold probably to like New York or like those eastern states up there up north that would be cold. But no, Kansas City, just like Miles said, it is it's something else. It's so cold and so that, that first winter, I struggled a lot. I remember, you know, just, it was just so tough and it was just, you know, I had to adapt. And so the next year and going into school the following year, I remember just being a little bit more prepared with all that. And I, I didn't mention that. I just kind of came to me. So usually for athletes in college, so the summertime, most students, regular students who aren't probably playing a sport, they probably will do internships. Um, you know, work a little bit or, or or whatever it may be. But I remember, you know, especially being a D1 athlete, those summer times we would have to, I mean, at least me and I know majority of my teammates did, we would go play for summer ball teams. I remember before I went to UMKC, I was in Indiana for the summer. And I spent was two, two and a half months there in the summer, just playing soccer, training every day, leading up to my season in, in UMKC. And then after my junior year, I I was able to get picked up by some team in, in Michigan, uh, AFC Ann Arbor, located in Ann Arbor. And honestly, that was also kind of a, a good turning point for me because those summer ball teams, it's pretty cool because you get about guys from anywhere. 
I remember when I was in Indiana, we had guys from Louisiana. We had guys from Michigan. We had guys from Georgia that played college there, but just came to play for the summer here. And so same thing when I was in, in Ann Arbor and Michigan, we had guys in big time, big D1 schools, Michigan State, University of Michigan. We had Ohio State. We had just great human beings and great soccer players. And it was just so cool to, for me at least, you know, to be able to compete with all those guys that you would see like, hey, these guys are big time D1 players at their programs and universities. And I'm over here competing with them and playing with them and getting a ton of playing time and able to do well with the team. And so that also kind of helped me and motivated me and kind of pushed me as far as knowing like, hey, this is this is something that is still fun for me. It's still motivating for me. And, and I can still play at a good level with good competition. And so I remember with playing in AFC Ann Arbor, the coach there, Eric Rudlin, he was really good in helping me kind of transition to phasing me out of college and trying to play to the next level. Because after I went back from my senior year, um, did great. I was all all whack, honorable mention. I was the team MVP for my for my team. That was also kind of just a, a rewarding feeling as well, just knowing because coaches vote for that, teammates vote for that, people around the league. Oh, they it. do. So the coaches and the team votes for that, and then yeah. they chose you. It was. It was really like rewarding, and, and I was happy about it. And so just kind of once I got that, you know, the next step was for me. I was like, hey, I, I would like to play professional soccer. And I remember thinking, well, I got one semester left of school, uh, opportunities to play professional. Usually because the, the college season runs from the fall, so it's probably August till I want to say like October, November, just depending on how far your team makes it. And so then after that, usually they'll have like the MLS draft and then players usually get drafted and they'll go to do preseason camp. And then if they make the team, you know, they'll get signed. If not, they'll just kind of try to figure out and play it somewhere else. So I remember after my senior season, I was invited to a combine out in Michigan with top athletes from all around the U.S. And I remember going to that and I got a few looks. I got invited to... It was this USL team, which USL is the second division here in United States, uh, as far as like the soccer pyramid goes. So it was a second division team, Memphis FC. I went there for a week for a tryout, didn't get picked up. My coach from AFC Ann Arbor was like, hey, you should reach out to this team, this team. Somehow I got around the pipeline, just was able to get an opportunity with Sporting KC, which is the MLS team here in Kansas City, but not with their first team, but with their second team which also competed in USL. And so I remember doing that for two weeks and feeling good, thinking, hey, maybe I got a shot here, playing well, played in a couple games, gave a couple assists. So I, I thought I was doing well. Unfortunately, I didn't get picked up by sporting second team affiliated team. And so that kind of, you know, took me for a surprise just because growing up in soccer, I've always, anytime I've, wanted to achieve something I, I for the most part find success and so this was kind of probably like the first time that I was like wow okay took a step back and realized man maybe maybe I'm not cut out for this maybe this isn't what I, I need to be doing or it's just you know I'm not good enough and so I remember being a little disappointed with that but because of because of me not getting picked up by that by the team I was able to find an opportunity with the Kansas City Comets so the goalkeeper coach at UMKC, he's actually the goalkeeper coach at, at the Comets. 
And so I remember him reaching out to me and telling me, hey, if you don't get picked up by anyone outdoor, you should come try out, come train with us. And, and so I did. I remember training that winter. Nothing really happened, just kind of trained. And I was finishing up school. And then um, once I finished up school, I went back the following kind of preseason. And, and that's when I got picked up by the Comets. And now I have to talk about bread. I have, I have to, I must, I'm yeah. compelled to do so with what your story was with trying out for the sporting KC team and then not getting picked up, but then going to the Kansas city comments. So with bread making, you have two rises, you have the first rise and then you have the second rise mm -hmm. and the first rise, you let the bread rise up. And in some recipes, you're supposed to punch it down, right? And you're punching out all the gas because that gas doesn't make the bread sweet. It's the second rise that makes the bread taste good. If you just threw it in the oven after the first rise, the bread is going to taste horrible. There's going to be huge pockets, uneven. It's going to be disgusting. But it's kind of that humbling thing when you get punched down. And that was a lesson for me in life is those setbacks are for our good. And for you, it's led you to this opportunity where you're being featured in the Kansas City Comets news. Whenever you go to the games, I mean, you're one of the main players there. Everybody loves watching you. You have a ton of fans. So I just, I, I thought of that while you were saying that it's, it's just like that with your journey, right? You grew up playing clubs, college, and now you're picked up by the Comets. That's a good way to put it. And that's really eye-opening. I felt compelled and I have to, cause I love cooking bread. So anyway, <laughs> Kansas city comments, they have yes. you come on what happens there. And so what the comments do is during the summertime leading up to preseason, they do something called kick arounds. And so, you know, we kind of, it's just like captains come and, and players come and players who are interested or they're maybe looking at come and just train maybe once or twice a week, just scrimmage. That's all we do. Scrimmage play games. And so I remember them inviting me out to that. And so I was going, started to go, maybe went for about a month or two. And then that's when, you know, they kind of, the coach told me, hey, we would like to sign you. And, and so I remember just being so thrilled, so happy. Just, I was like, where do I sign? <laughs> but yeah, so that's how that opportunity came. And so ever since I was, I signed that first contract, I was just like, okay, I got to just make sure I'm at the best of my level. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm good mentally, spiritually, just so I can always perform at the top level. Let's transition into what is it like to be a professional athlete? It's very humbling. I remember just even like going to games, my first games and stuff and having all these fans know your name and screaming and, and so like, you know, yelling, happy, excited, asking these kids, asking you to sign their t-shirts, sign their posters, sign their pic. It's a humbling experience. And it's so, it's overwhelming. You know, I, I'm so grateful that I was, I'm able to play a sport that I love and, and give joy to, to kids, give joy to everyone who watches it and participates in it. That's awesome. I love that. And as far as like the travel and stuff, how have you adjusted to that? Because you guys travel quite a bit. The traveling does take a toll on you sometimes, especially with our scheduling. If I don't know if you've seen, but especially this year, some of the scheduling is we got back-to-back -back games. So I think one of them that happened this past season, we played in Milwaukee. I think it was maybe Friday night, but Saturday night we had to come back in KC and play. And so those games like that, when games are scheduled back-to-back, -back, it's 
it's tiring. And, you know, I know a lot of guys feel the travel, the jet lag and all that, but it's also kind of cool just because you get to experience new cities, you get to hang out and have that team camaraderie. And I think with all that travel, it brings the team together and you really get to know your teammates. You really get to know someone, you have deep conversations or you just play games and have fun. And um, we try to make them the best out of all that traveling that we have. And I know maybe my wife doesn't really like it just because here for the week, gone for the weekend and things like that. But it takes some time to adjust to, but you know, just with everything, if you kind of have the right mindset, you take care of your body well, you rest when you need to, it, it kind of doesn't seem to have a, a long-term toll or, or effect on you. What else do you do when you're not in season? Still around soccer, I coach. I coach at Kansas City, Scott Gallagher. It's a local youth club. I coach a U11 team. I love coaching. I didn't really think I was going to go into coaching, but once I started doing it and I actually started getting more into coaching was, you know, when you kind of put me on with, with Travis at La Liga. And so that kind of really opened my eyes into saying like, wow, this is such a good feeling, a rewarding feeling to kind of give back to kids who are so eager, so happy to learn, to play and have that excitement, that joy. Like that's something that I love just seeing from the kids who come out there and play and have fun. And you can really tell that they're enjoying themselves. That's a feeling that it's, it's unexplainable. And I know probably other, other coaches as well would probably fall in the same category that it, it's joy and it's, it's a happiness that you bring teaching kids and, and trying to help them grow in their soccer careers. When I invited you to come do like a guest coaching at my practice for my team, <laughs> yeah. one thing that I remember was when I was like, all right, Henry, show us how you shoot the ball into the net. And you just shot them off like rockets. And it was kind of scary. I remember, and it was, it was kind of getting dark too, but yeah. I just remember how fast those soccer balls were going. And I was like, I would hate to be a goalie in any type of professional league because it was just so fast and so powerful. And the kids were just eating it up and they were just cheering and everything. That was a fun practice. And I, I love that. And, and Travis Lundell with La Liga KC, whenever you go do his uh, summer camps, it's the same reaction every time. And they just love watching this professional soccer player, just show them how to do it. And it's a fun thing, like you're saying, to be on the parent side and the coach side as well. But that's what, that's what I'm, I'm talking about, like that excitement and that joy that you see and all those kids, it's so rewarding. It's it's like, it's an amazing feeling. And I, like I said, I can't explain it. I'm just happy that I'm able to provide joy, doing something that I love to kids and to the next generation and, you know, hopefully inspire and motivate kids to continue playing the game and grow, grow into it. Henry, to kind of wrap things up here, what major lessons have you learned throughout your career, through your journey, that will continue to help you throughout the rest of your life. I'm actually coming back from a serious knee injury. That was a really like big turning point and, and taught me so much about myself and about staying positive and about kind of overcoming obstacles. And, and like you said, you know, bumps on the roads and, and things like that. But I think, you know, most importantly, I've realized that from a spiritual side, when I'm close to my heavenly father and, and I'm kind of doing the right things and 
overall just in a good spiritual mindset, doing daily scripture readings and things like that, where you might think, hey, this is something that you're supposed to do daily. But I found that I find a lot of peace and comfort in that, especially in times of trials and tribulations. And especially during this time when, you know, when I was recovering from my knee injury, that's what I did a lot. And I was really grateful for it. And I think because of that, because like I said, I had so much time on my hand and I was kind of a little disappointed and sad and frustrated and mad and just all these mixed emotions. I think that kind of has helped me to know that, hey, this probably shouldn't be only when I'm feeling a certain way. It should be kind of a a full-time thing and I, I can find comfort every day, full time, regardless of the situation. So that's kind of, it's taught me that for sure. It's always, no matter what the situation is, kind of find comfort in Heavenly Father and, and things that you may think, oh man, this this sucks or why is this this kind of help, help you change your perspective a little bit on things. It's definitely helped that. And, and kind of what you said, hey, if one road closes, there's probably another road that opens up or one door closes, the, the other door opens up, which was kind of, with my soccer, you know, outdoor soccer didn't plan out the way I wanted to, but I was given the opportunity to come over here to K- in Kansas City and, and play with the Comets and now continue to play with them. And like I said, you know, it's it's crazy to think about a little bit from I was going to school in Georgia and what, what would have happened if I would have stayed there. So, hey, I went my gut feeling, left, came to KC, and because of KC, now I'm here playing soccer. I love it. And thank you, Henry, for bringing up the hand of God in your life. I think a lot of men, that is where they draw their strength. And that is the ultimate source of strength in the good times and in the bad. And even with how you deal with your fans and everything, just the humility as well. I think you need God to help you on both sides of the spectrum on on the good and, and the bad as well. Like I said, I've, I, I kind of, you know, tell myself a little bit, maybe I got hurt for a reason as far as like, becoming closer and 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 finding those good habits of you know daily scripture reading always something to learn through those yeah absolutely absolutely and i'm grateful for it i'm 100 grateful for it well henry this was amazing thank you so much for joining miles thank you for having me it's always a pleasure uh missing you here in kansas city but i'm glad glad we were able to reconnect again I am not going to apologize for my bread baking analogies that I've used back to back now. I love baking bread and I love the lessons that I've learned doing it. There is something I want to touch on regarding when I was mentioning the bread baking analogy of the first and the second rise. And that is when Apollo 11 was searching for the astronauts to go on their mission, one of the criteria that they had was the person had to have failed at something and then show that they had the ability to come back. And that is what I kept thinking about whenever Henry was sharing his story, because there were setbacks. He was on a trajectory path and then he didn't make it to where he wanted to, but then he made it somewhere else. And because of that, it's made him a better man. And that's for all of us, something to go by. Don't ever think that because you've failed at something that that's it, you're done. It is going to build a base for you so that you can continue forward and do great things and be a better man. And we're going to end this one by listening to some HIMARS shooting off some missiles.